One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claim the Throne broadcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2014. Who is it? Uh, welcome back to the Claim the Throne podcast. You're here with Cabba and Ash once again. Thanks for tuning in. This week we are with a friend and colleague, full-on nice bloke, uh, face made for podcasting. His name is Glenn Dyson. How are you today, Dicey? I'm pretty well, thank you, Cabba. That's good. Great to have you here for uh, Great one to of be these here. conversations that we have most days, except today will be recorded, so this is um, pretty exciting. I think you're one knowledgeable cunt and people enjoy listening. Oh, I hope so. I like to be uh, acknowledged. How are you, Ash? I'm real good. What have you been doing today? I've been skipping. You uh, said. I wasn't sure if you were true or not with that. With a rope or just... Uh, yeah, an actual human rope. Yeah, oh, right. so not skipping meals or... Kind of skipped lunch. I'm hungry as fuck, <laughs> but these uh, Cooper's Extra Stout, my beer of the week, will... Um, mm, lovely. Mm, lovely. Yeah. What was lovely? Were It'll you wearing suffice. jocks when you were skipping? I was. I was wearing jocks and shorts. Uh, no free ball. Yeah, I know. It's me. Well, oh well. Um, yeah, so Dicey, if uh, if you guys out there don't know him, I'd be shocked. Um, but if you don't, um, perhaps Dicey will give us a rundown, a bit of um, who the fuck he is, uh, how you got into the metal scene. And um, and, and all things Chainsaw Charlie and the Chocolate Cha-Cha Factory. <laughs> of course, most importantly. <laughs> give us a bit of a bio. <laughs> who am I? Mm. All right. I was born in 1963. Oh. <laughs> 1863, wrong century. <laughs> Um, well, I guess if you want to take it right back, what <clears throat> um, got me into the local scene was Allegiance back in the day, like early 90s. So myself and Brad Wesson, very good friend and uh, business partner, were like high school buddies just starting to play uh, instruments and like there's got to be a local metal scene. So I sussed it out, great magazines such as Hot Metal introduced us to uh, Allegiance also express things like that so we started going to local gigs and went whoa there's pretty big crowds because allegiance were pulling you know six to eight hundred people every probably a couple of months so very exciting so we're like wow this is uh pretty cool and the gigs were always crazy and plenty of other good bands like infected and dump truck and um sub truck bell tempest that was a few years later rhino ted rhino ted that was a few years later back when you know oh when uh new metal became big so from that, yeah, we, we, we were staying, we were in a band and got to know a few people and started playing shows under the moniker of Choke. Uh, and guys like Dave Harrison from Allegiance really helped us out and, and also Joey Kay from Infected and got some gigs under our belt and then started putting our own gigs. Uh, and yeah, from there, just snowballed. So started uh, Prime Cuts Music because there was no label in Perth. So I was like, all right, well... I want to uh, get the music out there. Started managing a few bands like Maximum Perversion and Vespers Descent and Centaur, uh, featuring Nosedge on bass. Uh, and yeah, then, yeah, that just sort of started promoting WA music, getting a lot of contacts over East, and the intranet started up. And uh, so that was a pretty good way of connecting with people. Um, uh, I guess from there, yeah, just played in a few other bands like hated by humanity was another classic um there was a little band i played in pathogen it went too bad uh hi dave and yeah it's yeah um started bringing some bands out from over east like uh the, the berserker why i'm luke from the yeah <laughs> uh just getting more contacts and then um from there 
I bought Samworks uh, Studios, or rehearsal studios, about 11 years ago. And then we started doing some international touring. Our first band was Hey Eternal in 2005. Uh, then we sold the studios because the touring took off a lot quicker than we expected. And then, of course, I joined Claim the Throne, which has been marvellous. Uh, been a couple other silly grind bands, many grind bands, slam bands. And, yeah, I guess here we are today. Soundworks touring is still rolling along. Still got the label. I've got a merchandise company as well. So many fingers and many pies. I didn't realise I had so many fingers. Very good story. Um, you do also have a song called Fishing for String. Is that right? Uh, this is true, yes, from a personal experience, yeah. Great, great. Gavin, um, cool, man. You did mention it very briefly. We may as well start at the beginning, back in um, 1841 when Choke <laughs> did begin. Um, but you mentioned the, the Perth scene was pretty out of control with Allegiance taking off. Um, being a guy that has been in that era and also this era, can you um, tell us a bit about what you reckon the difference was or, you know, like as, as far as turnouts and vibe and and professionality and that sort of shit? How does uh, it compare to these days? Well, Legions has worked really hard and they had great songs. They really did. And back before the internet and Dave Harrison was really big on promo and tape trading and there was fanzines and this is, you know, before the internet, this is how bands communicated and this is how music got around before we could download stuff and MySpace and Facebook and that. So it was... I mean, when we, myself and Brad, first started going to gigs, it was the first gig we went to was Allegiance gig was 800 people. And it's a local show. It was like a video launch or something. So yeah, it was, that's unheard of it was crazy. Um, and, you know, Perth's never had a band that big as far as, you know, that style of metal. You know, there's Carnival and that, which is you know, a different sort of style. But obviously they're bigger than Allegiance ever were, which is great. But as far as, you know, really kind of more, I guess, extreme. Allegiance were extreme, but they were you know, definitely thrash. But they had great songs and great vibes and, you know, even some of the other bands like... Uh, Armoured Angel. Armoured Angel were big in camera, very big. They were huge and Alchemist. And, but I, I don't know. I, they were just big and they were for many years until about 90, oh, 98, I guess. And then they they broke up and the scene really died in the butt for a couple of years, which is a bit sad. But then uh, Western Front came on board and there was forums and the scene slowly built up and ever since then, I reckon since about, I don't know, 2000, it's been pretty pretty solid. You know, I don't think the scene's really, probably, I don't think it's got any bigger, but it certainly hasn't got any smaller. It's definitely a lot. It's always been, Perth scene's always been solid. So for 15 years, pretty good going. When you were saying how big the crowds were for Allegiance and stuff, I thought of Carnival only because when they were full on new metal, like Persona EP era, they yeah. were like, packing the lookout and stuff and it was massive they were still yeah they were they were getting good crowds locally like um once persona came out they were probably pulling 300 a show uh, and so were heavyweight champ at the time but fortunately i think they kind of missed the boat a little bit but um yeah carnival and then you know carnival got a solid following here in perth with with that style but then they you know broke away from that cut the dreadlocks off and were allegiance on that kind of a trajectory you know like were they looking just massive in perth or were they Going well over east as well, and stuff Allegiance like that. Went well everywhere. You know, they they toured Australia many times. I think they toured like Slayer and um, had a, a good manager here in Perth, and they did a big day out, or maybe even two big day outs. And you know they do well over east. Like, I, I mean, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm sure they were probably pulling four or five hundred over east mm. as well. And they never wow. made it overseas, which was a shame. But because um, I'm pretty sure they would probably have done all right, but. Yeah, I think everything kind of went to shit and they broke up and that didn't happen. 
um, which is a shame. But as far as that style of metal goes, you know, the more heavier side of things, I don't, I don't think there would be a, a band as, as big as Allegiance in Australia. I mean, it'd be great if there was. Like I said, they weren't didn't have the, the advantage of the internet and that kind of thing, which you know, well, bands have access to now. So it was a lot harder to get the music out to people, but they did. And it, yeah, and why did it die on the ass then when they left? There was just no bands close to their well, like, caliber, or and there was another another band. Uh, oh god, I forget the name of it now. Old Summers are sitting in. Um, <laughs> but Infected used to pull good crowds. There was SFD used to pull pretty pretty good crowds. Um, Raucous is the band I'm thinking of. They were kind of like they they could still pull 300 people, mm. but Raucous broke up. Um, I think SFD disappeared. So all these bands, I think, disappeared at the same time. And in fact, it was still around a dump truck. But then there was another band, Nebula, were pretty good. But the crowds literally went from being, you know, anywhere between, say, Legion Show, you know, six to 800, like I said before, to, you know, drop down to like less than 150 people. And that's, you know, when I was a choke and we were kind of starting out and we were lucky enough to do a couple of gigs with Allegiance before they broke up. And that probably lasted for maybe a year or two. And then, like I said, the Western Front, um, Clayton, Clayton Tonge, he did the uh, West Front. Another guy called Dave, I think his name was, and they developed it. And and people had the internet and they had somewhere to go to and find out about gigs and local metal. And they did such a good job on that. And Darren Ray's took it over many years ago and you know, kept it going. So that was a big part, I think, of getting the Perth scene back on track. And plus, you know, some good bands coming up like uh, Enforce. There was Choke, who I thought were pretty good. Um, <laughs> Pathogen, who did pretty well, Pagan, Militant Mass, all these old bands who, you know, the, the Lookout, not the Lookout, the White Sands in Scarborough sort of became a bit of a home for heavy metal and because the Groves in a back room shut down, which didn't help the scene either. But all these people working together, build it back up, which is awesome. I love how you mentioned the um, tape trading day from Allegiance was doing um, and probably a few other unorthodox type promo methods that wouldn't you wouldn't see today. Snail mail, Snail for mail. example. That's amazing. So mailing lists to physically go into yes. letterboxes. Brad and I signed up cool. to the Allegiance uh, mailing list, which actually was mail in the mail with Literal the postman. mail. You know, which they call snail mail nowadays. Yeah. How but, would the cost of that be, hey? Well, uh, every month I think Dave would send out a newsletter and it would be in an envelope. <laughs> If you, I don't know if you kids know what envelopes are, but just Google it. You'll, you'll find out what it is. I'd just sticky tape the letter to the back of itself and stick a stamp on it. But it was great. You, you, stamps weren't 75 cents back then. No, either. they were probably a threepence or something. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, yeah, so every month we get a newsletter. We'd get like – David always put in a free sticker or, you know, there was always some little goodie in there. And, and you know, he would have it at, at a gig. You could just a bit of paper sign up to the mailing list. Like nowadays, you know, you could sign up to an e-mailing list, but mm. similar. And, you know, you get that and then you'd find out where the next Allegiance gig was. So there'd be flyers and mm. you know, there'd be info. And Dave was really switched on and, and still is to this day with Heavy Metal Merchant. And he's just, a, he's always been the master of promo and someone I always looked up to. Got a lot of tips. I think if it wasn't for Dave, I probably wouldn't be doing what I did. You know, or doing what I'm still doing, you know, he's... Very knowledgeable guy. Well, you're perceived as a bit of a promo king yourself, especially with the work you do with Soundworks, um, of course. So, I mean, <clears throat> the strategies that are used these days as far as band promo goes, just a lot of the time revolves straight around Facebook. Do you think strategies from the past, like snail mail and that sort of thing, would that work in this sort of environment? Or, I mean, are bands these days relying on Facebook too much? Or are there any, you know, should they be looking outside the box and seeing what bands used to do? Well, I think bands should still 
look outside the box. Too many people in bands were just rely on social media, which is great, of course, because it's free and it only takes up your time. But um, I know with our own band, for example, I still, you know, with Soundworks, we, we have our own tickets and I physically mail them out. So I still use snail mail for the hard tickets. And, and you chuck like flies. I chuck in flies, stickers, you know, free stuff. So, you know, people are saving a little bit of money by buying tickets for us, but they're getting a few little extras and, and then I'll slip in like a You're claim the throne flyer. The time, yeah. So, you know, okay, it's my own business, but, you know, I've got a flyer for, you know, our next tour, say, for example, with, you know, we just had carcass. So with carcass tickets, I was putting in, you know, Campbell Corpse flyers and then double-siding them with, you know, my other things like Prime Cuts and Power Direct and, you know, band, our band and, you know, also other bands who give me stuff to give away. So it's, you know, but I when you go to a gig now, like before you go to a gig, you'd, you'd walk out of an international show and there'd be 20 people like peppering with flies for all their local shows. You don't see that anymore. You're lucky mm. if you see one or two. But I still do it myself personally. I'll go there and annoy people with, with actual physical flies. So yeah, that's a good band kind. should still still look at that because not everyone reads a post, but if you're there and shoving a fly in their face, they're at least going to have a look at it and they might throw it on the ground. But, you know, if they're still having a look at it, just direct contact, but I like to say how on Facebook, if you post your event page, you're not only competing against other bands and things, you're also competing against videos of like turtles drowning or crazy things. If if it's not popular enough, it's just going to disappear into space. So if I mean, if you're out the front of a, you know venues giving people flyers, there's you're well, they're going to see it. That's if you're say handing out flyers at say a carcass show or Cannibal Corpse show, which is coming up. Nice little plug there. Um, September 9th to thirteenth. Tickets on sale, so I get one. Uh, but, you know, there's a 1,000 people. So you say, 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 example, like City or Melbourne where there's a 1,000 people at a show and you're in a local band. Well, even – don't even have to – maybe even a, a show, just print flyers for your CD or anything, just information so people walk out. Or, you know, bands in the past used to give out tapes or, or CDs, you know, just, just demos and stuff. You know, I haven't seen anything like that for ages. So what a perfect example to, like, advertise your band – for the sake of what, a thousand flyers might cost you, I don't know, 20 bucks, you know, for 20 bucks, hand out, you know. And even if you only, even if, say, maybe only 10 or 20 people get into it, you've got 10 or 20 more fans who might buy a CD or a shirt or come to the next show. So, you know, opportunities are there for bands to exploit. So get off your laptops and your phones and whatever else you got your fingers on and actually get to a show and get in people's faces. Because literally there's no competition with flyers. You know, I'm there at these tours and shows, and apart from our own shows and our people handing out our flyers, hardly anyone else does it. So get back to old school thoughts. It works. I remember rocking up to a Soundworks show back in the day with 50, and you may remember this, 50 Farthing Wheel promo copies. Oh, yes, I got one. I still have it. Farthing Wheel Super Promo Pack. That was at the Charles Hotel, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yes, see. My memory is not always crap. It had uh, your face on it. I'll see if I can even find it. Probably got it here somewhere. Yeah, and just give them out. And then so then when talking to people about your band down the track, some oh, I've heard of that band, and they think you're probably bigger than you are, just, you know, it just sinks into the old head. And, you know, bands used to give out demos and stuff all the time. And if you're at a metal show with a 1,000 people, even a local show, 100 people, they're metal heads that are into metal. Obviously, on Facebook, yeah, you can do a post, but trillions of people on Facebook, you know, well, the small percentage of metalheads and that, so you, you're probably not reaching as many people as you think you might be. So get in people's faces. Exactly. Yeah, I do. Makes sense. You know, not only annoy you online, but I annoy you in person. So <laughs> That's why so I do There's it. no escaping Soundworks tours. Real life spamming. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, 
maybe we could just pick your brain and your brown a little bit about uh, Final Cuts Music, a little local record label that you did start up yourself. Can you tell us maybe just how you started up and why? Why? (coughs) Well, the main reason why is because uh, I was in bands and managing bands, as I mentioned before, and there was no label in Perth and very little knowledge of WA bands in the East Coast. So I wanted to change that, mostly to get my music over there. I did that in 2001 or 2002. I should remember, but I don't. Um, That's that memory we were talking about. Yeah, it's pretty turd. Craig Turley. Oh, lovely. Oh, (laughs) wow, how young do I look? Um, So, yeah, and uh, first release, Centaur. uh, uh, Nosage uh, used to play bass for Centaur. So it was my first release, EP. Choke was our album, the only album we ever did. I didn't actually release that on the label. We just released it independently. But I did re-release it later on because the demand was still there, oddly enough. So it is actually an official release. Still runs today. I don't do too much with it, unfortunately, because I don't have the time, but still release the odd thing here and there. But I think I know, but close to 40 releases in the 13, 14 years I've had it. So it's good fun. Awesome, man. So if you sign an, an, a CD of some sort or you release it on your label, what exactly would you do? Is it just a matter of sort of helping the band promote themselves to, to other areas and, you know, using your contacts to, to get them, you know, maybe some, some media promo and that sort of thing? Or, or yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd sign them up, I guess, in very simple deal. Nothing too, nothing too technical. It was more just, yeah, to help bands out and promote stuff. So I'd just send a bunch of CDs out over East for radio play and reviews, you know, a few overseas as well for the same thing and then do a bunch of trades with, with various labels over east and overseas so it's their music out and then i'd get these other labels stuff in return then i sell them at local gigs at merch stands and stuff so and people getting underground stuff i deal mostly with underground stuff because no point competing with jb hi-fi and that so you do a lot of trades you're saying as well yes yeah? Yeah, still do to all sorts of countries and obscure places everywhere from obviously kenya? usa not kenya yet no um but i've you know ukraine czech republic poland Russia, Belarus. So modern day tape trading. Basically, but with CDs, yeah. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. That's a good way of getting either our music or the bands on my label over to all parts of the world, Mexico as well, and Costa Rica, all these obscure labels, and then get their music in, you know, and and, and, because, you know, metalheads are pretty passionate, a lot of metalheads in underground, so I am, and it was also a good way of me of building up my CD collection, so it was quite extraordinary and stupid really now, but. I used to collect records back in the day and you'd always hear about record stores just being their collection that's ever evolving and changing. And if a record comes through that they desperately want that they never want to sell, they just put it aside and blah, blah, blah. But the rest of it is essentially their collection for sale. When I first went to your house and you've got this like enormous wall of CDs there, like what, 4,000 CDs or something ridiculous? I lost count after 3,000. That was probably about five years ago. So. Yeah, un- unreal amount of CDs. And you just look through it and you got your cephalotripsies there and, you know, all your classics. You explained to me years ago that that was your CD collection and it's just, it's well, like yeah. dynamic. It's ever evolving and changing. And I'm a collector, so I trade and collect for myself, but then you know, I'll get one <coughs> copy for myself, but I'll get five other copies that I'll sell to, f- I'll sell to friends and whatnot and have online catalogue where people can order from the website and... I'm spreading the underground love, and I, I love doing it. Sick as. Do you get many bands applying for your record label? Like, do you even receive yeah, like heaps and heaps and heaps. Can I ask you one question? Yeah. Do you remember the time you received only the Brave Return uh, applying for some attention? I do. 
course, I do. I remember that. And Did you think these guys are a bunch of fucks? I, I would never join this band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Uh, no, I didn't think that because uh, I, I did like the music. The recording was a little bit rough, perhaps, but it didn't matter. I mean, see, for me, recording, I don't, I'm not really that fussed in recording quality. All I just like, if the music's good, I don't care if it sounds like a, a wet fart, really, which a lot of bands I'm into do. But, you know, some of your bands are in bad slick production and stuff, but pff, whatever. As long as the music's good, that's all I care about, and the music was good, so I enjoyed it. But one thing I wanted to say, too, about, too, about trading and stuff is that, you know, you're in a band, you've got your CD in that. There's nothing, it's nothing to say that bands don't, can't trade as well. I trade with many bands. Not many bands do it. So, you know, if you're into sort of underground stuff, you can approach labels and say, hey, look, you know, I'm in a band. I play slam. You're a slam label. You want to do a trade? And, you know, many bands do it. And then you can sell their CDs. You know, it's just a good way of getting music you know, all over the world. Is, rather is than that. actually applying to the label to try and get some signed up or something, you can say... Can well, you we can, trade and of course, you can do that, and that, that's that. That'd be, you know, I guess the ultimate goal is to try and get signed to a label. But if you're failing, or for whatever reason, bands sh- should definitely, you know, okay, try and get on a label. But if you know, if you're not having any luck, release independently, trade with labels, and then you, you, then you might, you, you know, you, you could have your CD in your uh, Ukraine, and a label might pick it up and go, oh, this sounds pretty good. Maybe sign it for the next one. I, I, I've been at metal festivals uh, like Party Sand, Summer Breeze, and I've been to the millions of metal market labels there, and I've seen my own releases in the stalls at metal markets. That's cool. Which is pretty cool. With all the million of applications you've probably received over the years from bands getting in touch with you, what sort of separates good ones from bad ones? I mean, maybe I'll rephrase that. Personally, what do you like to receive from a band applying for you? Just good music? Is that all you care about? Pretty much. And to just keep the package simple, like just, I don't care if it's on a burnt CD. I really don't care. Like just, a, that's fine. Or if you've got it already released and pressed um, and just a really short bio, like no more than a page. I get, bands send me like almost like a novel and they've spent all this money, like 10 bucks on this promo package when they just don't need it. And unfortunately, I just usually just bin it because I don't even read it. So you didn't read the Claim and Throne novel then? Oh, I actually did read it. I still have it. That was a bit different. <laughs> Pretty actually good read. Um, there is a sex scene in it. I thought you'd like that. I did like that. What right. is your favourite right. sex move? Oh, I've got too many. Too many. You're pretty good. I like them all. I'm, I'm amazing at it. Actually. The Bowing Panda. The Bowing Panda. Just made it up then, but it would go like this. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Right. Wow. That's, that looks like a solo move, actually. Mm, that felt yeah. really good as well. Thanks. <laughs> oh, no. You need a beer, right? I probably do, yeah. Quite yeah. a fan of the Donkey Punch. You get me? Oh, okay. You, you, you do that a lot? Yeah. You're the angry Snapdragon. It's not a bad oh, one. Lovely. Mm, lovely. Um, am I allowed to continue talking? Or do you want me to wait? Okay. I'm going to talk about. Pre-made cuts. Uh, yeah, get me one beer, please. As far as Prime Cuts goes, it's pretty interesting too, being in Perth, because you know, like, Bellacore, my favourite Australian band ever, you released Stone's Reach. I did, yes. Yeah, and that's where I heard about them. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, see, there you go. And Because I, I listened to the Frail Tide. That's probably one of the times where I actually approached a band, and I've done that a few times, because I really did dig what they were doing, and really quality stuff. So, and at the time, I had MGM distribution, so... And they were looking for a label, so I'm glad I could help those guys out. And now they're, they're you know, they're on to different things, which is fine. Just hit the one release, and they went elsewhere after that. So I mean, I just I don't sign multi album contracts or this rubbish. It's just one album mm. at a time. And you know, if if someone else, if 
someone else did want to sign them up afterwards, I was always happy with that because I just wanted to help bands out and try and kick them up to another level. I always wondered, like, what was the deal with getting a local record label? Because you guys had, like, MGM distribution, right? I did for a while, yeah. Yeah, but so what? what is the deal then? Like, what is your role in it to promo it and to yeah, release yeah. it? And use your distribution tires? Yeah, and- just all my promo contacts. So then about all the band has to do is you know, is just agree to whatever deal we have, which is always very simple. And then, oh, yeah, it was just promo, promo, promote it for them, like send it out, do all the work for them, and then you know, I just take a cut of the profits or, you know, or just split the cities up 50-50, I sell half and they sell half and, you know, that that kind of thing. The deals mm-hmm. I sort of changed over the years, went and made it simpler and simpler because I got busier and busier. But so, yeah, you know, band, obviously – even if you have a label, you're on a label or you've got distribution, you should still do your own promotion. But the label already had, I've already got the contacts. So I just sent them out to all the contacts and I've got a good relationship with them. So, you know, Brayo's shows will always play it. Generally, websites will review it. Um, and the band doesn't have to worry about going, you know, spending endless hours, you know, researching on the net and trying to find these contacts. I've already got it. So mm. it's very simple. And you approaching the contacts is like a more of a sure thing than the band themselves because then they go, oh, okay, Dicey's generally putting good stuff across our table, so we're going to have a listen to it and give them the time of day. That's probably more of a chance of something being reviewed if I send it than, say, a band, independent band with no label. I mean, not to say it wouldn't get reviewed, but, Mm. you know, a lot of these websites get tons of stuff, so if they see mine and go, oh, yeah, we know Dicey, you know, they'll put it at the top of the pile, hopefully, or towards the top of the pile as opposed to if it's just sort of a, random band that they don't know of that'll probably go to the the bottom so it, it, it definitely helps of course having a label that's what it's all about you know bands want to sign the labels because the labels have the contacts to get spread the word further and the music and hopefully bands get onto bigger and better things so why didn't you sign farthing wheel years ago what <laughs> <laughs> Because I thought the music was that astonishing and the talent was that amazing that it was far beyond what I could do for the band. So yeah, okay. I'm surprised they're not headlining Sonosphere this year, actually. To be honest, but if people wanted to check out Farthing Wheel, how can they do that, Ash? Probably saw- personally email me. Do you Farthing Wheel Band at hotmail.com. Probably do still have a MySpace. Mm-hmm. Got a Facebook. All of that. I've written maybe 300 songs since the last <laughs> release. Relentless. Uh, but haven't released any of them except for Give Me Pied. What's that fucking ask we shit? In my hands. Yeah. Type of Making negative. a pay. <laughs> Making a pay. From uh, record labels to touring. Uh, <coughs> you've oh, obviously- oh, 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 oh. Can I interject? <laughs> Certainly. Somewhere along the line, and this is what we missed before, but you were actually the host of Critical Mass on RTR. Good local Perth radio station 93.2. Correct. And that, I guess, was part of the- uh, Is it 93.2? My story? Three point seven, maybe. That's ninety two point one. Ninety two point one. Ninety two point one. Yes, RTRFM. Yep. You are listening to RTRFM ninety two point one FM. Critical mass. Yeah. How did that come about? And why did and why did you go ahead with it? Well, that came about. Uh, Bones and Polly used to do it many years ago, and it was uh, always entertaining. And that's how I, me, myself, and Bradley Wilson would find out about new bands because there wasn't the internet. So we would listen to Critical Mass and Three Hours of Power and I would sit there and tape it. That's right, tapes, people, tapes. Me too. Again, you can, you can Google tape along with envelopes so you know what these things are. I believe <laughs> the technical term is cassette. Cassette tape, yeah. And then we find out about bands. Anyway, so we formed Choke and we got in touch and we wanted to play our music and get an interview for launches and stuff. So we end up becoming friends with Bones and Polly and 
apparently I thought myself and Brad were pretty entertaining and they liked our music and I thought we had a sense of humour, which I think we do. Uh, and Bones and Polly moved, wanted to move on, so they just hit us up. They said, you guys want to do it? Like, you know? And we're like, hell yeah. So I did it for a number of years, or we did it for a number of years. Brad left a bit before me. He got a little bit Magoo. busier. Magoo, but yeah, before I didn't. It was a lot of fun. Got heaps of promos and discovered heaps of new bands and it was – interviewed heaps of awesome um, musos and some of my idols and, you know, like Max Cavalier and Devin Townsend and Chris Barnes even. And Whoa. And Glenn Benson? Uh, pro- probably. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> uh, large. So right. that was cool. And then, oh, yeah. the kombucha mushroom people. Uh, definitely, yes. And it was mm. good. And we obviously got many local bands. That was well, RTR for – well, RTR if it was about local supporting local bands, but it specifically critical mass was metal, so always played local stuff. Have always had local bands in plug in their launches and whatnot and interviews and plus, you know, bands from over east and international bands. So yeah, it was I don't know how many years, five, six, seven years maybe, but unfortunately I had to I didn't want to give it up, but I did because I just got too busy with Soundworks and many other things and it was a shame. I still miss it. Good 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 fun. Pretty crazy stuff because uh, you were saying how you used to listen to it and find out on bands and stuff, and then you were hosting the show, yeah. and then me and Ash were the people tuning in, finding out about new bands, and even to this day, some of my favourite bands I found out via Critical Mass with you and Brad That's hosting. Very good. And Talks then about. Now we're in the same band, and now other people host Critical Mass, and it's yeah. like a metal matrix. Yeah, and it's been going on for oh, it'd be oh, maybe twenty five years or more. It was I think it started by the Fish back in the day, nineteen eighty oh, something. Andrew Fish. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He called himself a fish. But yeah, but I, yeah. Quick mass. Uh, you should still listen to it, actually. Wednesday nights, uh, 9 to 11. And then Behind the Mirror is also another metal show, which plays more darker stuff. So. I think Critical Mass doesn't start till 10 now. Oh, so okay. Maybe the times have changed. But four hours of metal, Wednesday nights, RTRFM 92.1. Who, who's doing it these days? Derek, isn't he? Yes, oh, Derek. Yes, and of Management, who, um, yeah, they merged. Yeah, that's yes. right. Another guy called Scott. And I think there is another bloke on board. So uh, yeah, I still listen to it. You can now, you can stream it. You don't have to listen mm. on the radio. You can listen to it online at... Uh, www.rtrfm.com.au Or moving online these days. Yes. Uh, One thing I did want to mention is that one of my interview ideas for this show, should I mention it now? Now's a better time than any. Is actually Costa Zulio from (laughs) Three Hours of Power. Yeah. Yes. I really want to interview him. I was listening to Classic FM like maybe a few years back and I heard that piece was by the... Like a Melbourne Philharmonic Orchestra recorded in something engineered by Costa Zulio. Wow. Yeah, why? Well, really? would be interesting to see his transition from three hours of power to being a classical recording engineer. Costa Zulio, if you're listening, you are on Claim the Throne FM. <laughs> Gavin, Gavin, Nossage. Lock, lock, Hatswell. Please bring it my face. Can we talk about touring yet? Yep. Awesome. Dicey fucking knows a lot about touring. Obviously, has a uh, company called Soundworks Touring. Um, has been in many bands that have toured nationally and internationally. Uh, Climbing the Thorn, the latest. Um, but he's also been in Chainsaw Charlie, The Chocolate Chaja Factory, uh, Pathogen, and The Mighty Old Scrape. My questions about touring are, one, can you please tell us about your love affair with airport trolleys? I wouldn't call it a love affair. It's definitely, it's hate. It's hate. Oh, hate, <laughs> hate. I hate trolleys. I don't actually hate the trolleys. I hate paying for them. Um, when you, you know, especially in touring and you say when we did the Summer Slaughter tour a few years ago, we have four international bands. So you probably got 50 pieces of luggage 
So, you know, you, 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 you're, you're rocking 20 trolleys at every airport, you know, so that's at $4 a trolley, that's 80 bucks a day. Eat a dick, smart cart. I'm not happy. So you know, I, I've now found many places at airports where you can get free ones. And our last tour, very happy that we'd not pay $1 for those fucking I trolleys. We'll find that we did spend a couple of bucks at one That city. was obviously behind my back. I'm no, not, I think, well, let's not go there. We'll no, get into an argument I even about got it. to, no, but I remember Sydney, I got a wheelchair. <laughs> Instead yeah. of a trolley. <laughs> so wheelchairs are free at the airport. They are free. I shouldn't really use them for uh, for uh, band, band gear, yeah. but it was just sitting there. I did not want to pay four dollars for a trolley. That's how much I hate trolleys. I was prepared to use a wheelchair. So maybe someone without legs. It's just one thing that bands I think need to include in their budgets when they are thinking how much is this going to tour going to cost. Consider airport trolleys, and that's going to add an extra, we, like you say, a shitload of money on. In our sandwich budgets, we allow, depending on the size of the tour party, the amount of gear, anywhere up to $400 for trolleys. And that, that really sucks. And over the years, you think we do five tours, six tours a year, average of, say, $150. That's, you know, $700, $800 I'm spending on trolleys, not happy. But now I know where free trolleys are hiding. Sometimes I could get them. And I'll follow I follow you out to the deep depths of the car parks at the airport to, to see you. Yeah, I think we... We've been apprenticed by Dyson on yeah, tours, yeah. and um, I, I learned my last tips from the black belt of trolleys, Jim, <laughs> uh, Dyson's greatest student. Yeah. And um, yes, he's done very well. Yeah, I came back with three trolleys last time, and I was pretty stoked because I could never find them. A plus. <laughs> I don't know where they are. Brisbane's pretty difficult. You have to fight the um, the Indian trolley men sometimes to get them. I have. Yes. Yeah. The, <laughs> I had a couple of them come up say. <laughs> That's good, me. You pay for those trolleys. No, I have not paid for those trolleys. Well, you need to pay for them. I said, look, if you can get these trolleys off me, you can have them. <laughs> and they generally walk off. Yeah, right. And they're fucking but What's it so to them, mate? Exactly. So, I don't... No way. I've I've walked 300 metres for this trolley. You're not, you're not <laughs> getting it. The whole idea of the cost of trolleys is to pay the person that has to go and collect them. Yeah. So, by you going to get them from the depths, bringing them back in, and then leaving them in a trolley receptacle as opposed to just scattered all over the place, you're you're saving the airport money. They owe you a free trolley card or one something One day like I'm going to actually just go to an airport and I'm going to just get one of those yellow vests, pretend I work for SmartCart, and I'm just going to gather all those free trolleys, take them inside and just give them to people all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so no one has to pay for trolleys all day long. Oh, I'm going to hold you to that. That could Robin be a good Hood. experiment on YouTube. Some, yeah, let's see if it works. Some documentary. He robs from the car park and gives to them all. Yeah, exactly. Screw you, trolley. Four dollars for a trolley you use for ten minutes. Fuck off. You can see your eyes light up whenever we talk about this topic. I love it. My favorite thing to do, and my second favorite thing to do with you. And another thing too. Oh, while this I'm at is it, so good. You pay all that money for trolleys. They don't even dispense receipts. So you can't claim them. Well, yeah. I did. I rang SmartCart the other day. Uh, firstly, I emailed <laughs> and said I want to claim back nineteen hundred and sixty dollars worth of trolley expenses for the last two years. That's two grand to Soundworks. So that's a big expense. Yeah, right. Two hundred dollars worth of GST there. Roughly. Did you tell them you've stolen most of those So uh, <laughs> I got an email uh, back from this twit going, well, we don't have Twit? To, he wouldn't give me a receipt. And I had really? to itemize every single uh, one. I thought, I wrote one back going, you say you don't have to give me a receipt, but you know, where's your customer service? You don't have to. The thing is, you don't want to. So I rang up, had a whinge, and the lovely lady who received my phone call straight away gave me an invoice for $1,960. Wow. Yeah, because so, what sort of business are they running that they don't give tax invoices? Yeah. Well, there's some clauses they don't have to. I can't remember what it was. Shady. Anyway, I got my receipt. We've claimed it on our tax re- tax for this year, and we get back that GST. Yes. Nice. Win for me. Is your favourite tour food the Chico Roll, and why? 
I'm a big fan of Chico Rolls, yes, mostly because the Chico Chicks have always been pretty hot. Oh, like the Servo Chicks or something. You're a renaissance man. Where, uh, where do you get a Chico Roll from? Like delis or Servo or whatever? Yeah, pretty good at Servos. Um, lots of, yeah, delis do them. They're pretty good. Mm. I mean, they're full of probably lips and assholes, but I don't know. I like the taste of them. <laughs> On tour, I enjoy a good pie. Nothing wrong with pie. Yeah, like so pie. I'll, I'll get a pie I'm for me and then I'll get... A chicken roll for dicey. Do bands like spend a shitload of money on food and drink on tour or are some of them <coughs> scabs? Have you seen the ultimate of scabby bands that just eat only the cheapest of chicken rolls? Is that oh, a good way to save money? You know, of course. I mean, especially Australian bands, they'll just live off air. But, um, you know, even some of the international bands, I mean, you know, they're not we're dealing with extreme metal and a lot of them have day jobs. Most of them have day jobs. So they come on tour and they don't have that a lot of money to spend. So they'll just eat catering. And that's it. But you know, we we give them uh, you know money each day for for food and drinks. You know, people got to live, so that's part of the deal. We give them anywhere between thirty to fifty bucks a day. Is that all, for all crew on the road? Everyone, yeah, yeah. So they've got thirty to fifty dollars a day to spend on breakfast, lunch. That's only international bands, but I have seen people squirrel that money so they don't actually spend it. So you know, if we give them say thirty bucks a day for five days, it's one hundred and fifty bucks Australian. Mm. They won't spend a single cent and they'll walk home an extra 150 bucks. That's, you know, how skint some of these dudes are. So we go on tour and we want to, like, get 10 pints and, like, exquisite steak dinners and or, like, some fucking nice butter chicken or something. That yeah. Could be our downfall. My original national to international touring was with a band called Discord with my friend Owen Kent Thomas. And me and him, he had a young family on the way, so he was always pretty, like, just deliberately being skint to save his family money. Being careful. Yeah, being careful. And I was a uni student, so I was broke as fuck. And we used to do these things, let's challenge each other to live on $10 a day. Now, rather than getting a, a fucking, like, pack of meagering, okay, change that, I would get a pack of meagering every day. <laughs> but we would do things like together, we'd combine our $10. Ikea hot dogs? Ikea hot dogs wow. for one. Big, big, big tip to a band. And also, uh, we would buy, like, a half half roast or something, cut it into steaks and cook it at a backpackers. And so we'd actually be eating steak dinners and stuff every night and, and coming in under, yeah, yeah. And so, and our breakfast would use like vouchers from Boost Juice and stuff. Or and if you're saying a backpackers, you just nick someone else's. Oh yeah, you oh. toast in the morning at backpackers. Steal other bands, writers. Ikea <laughs> hot dogs for lunch. Yeah, steal other writers, bum drinks, drink Drink beers that you find anywhere. So I'm surprised none of us have been date raped before because we would just walk up to any drink that you can see in a bar unattended. And by unattended, I even mean a guy's turned his back for three seconds and his drink is in my hands and I'm walking off. In his hands. Scabby bastard. But that was back in those days. Now I have a job. I do not care. Yeah, well, you know, I guess being a local band or Australian band, you know, we you don't have the uh, privilege of being paid a per diem every day. Uh, which we do with our international touring acts. So, yeah, it gets depending on your own personal situation. Yeah, generally, we don't use band money for everyone to eat. Everyone to use right. you know, forks out of their own pocket for mm. that sort of expense. But well, we figure as well that you wear, we're in that extreme metal category. We're not really going to be ever making tons of money. So why not like live like tourists a little bit and enjoy Tr our the time? Trip like a holiday sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I never, I've 
almost never had a holiday in my life because I've always been traveling with the band. Let's fucking enjoy the fruits. Personally, I'll worry about the financial situation when I get home. (laughs) Which is always good, but anyway. Think about it after you've been to the strip club every night for the last two weeks. Yeah. Watching girls touch their nipples together and paying for it. Yeah, when you spend $400 in one night. Uh, Would you two ladies eat a chicken roll from end to end? (laughs) In this trolley that I've stolen from the airport. And just quietly, before we move away from trolleys, what a night when we went to rehearsal and you come <laughs> proudly walking to collect your amp and guitar with an airport trolley that you've brought with you all the way from the airport to the rehearsal. Yes, and I didn't steal that trolley. I bought it you because bought it, I've yeah. paid that much money for trolleys over the year. I should probably own a hundred of them. So. Yeah, yeah. And I do believe that was on the evening that we did the Rob from Henhouse interview. <laughs> Maybe. And you... Well, we pulled Rob in to check out the trolley and he was fucking stoked. <laughs> I still have that trolley. Mind. With touring as well then, uh, moving away from trolleys and Chico rolls, um, <laughs> you guys do obviously bring a lot of bands out here. Fucking thanks for that, you little good cunts. Um, you do get local bands to support uh, the bigger bands in most well, all the cities all the time, um, which is fucking awesome exposure for the locals that are lucky enough to get on board. Um, how do you sort of select those bands? Like, is it, is it normally they send through applications to you and, and you choose, you know, whoever's got the best application, whoever's most suitable or, um, you know, is it a long-term thing built up where they prove, you know, they're, they're worthy of it over the years or what's the best way they can get in touch with you about that basically? I love that sound. Um, well, oh, it's, well, as soon as we announce a tour, um, we instantly within minutes Your outlook get just bombarded <laughs> with, uh, emails, Facebook messages, blah, blah, you know, and it's just keep it simple. Just send us an email with submission, just with a couple of links, just to a uh, music and your, you know, media kit or whatever. Very simple. Um, and I always just have a standard reply. Thanks for your submission. You know, if you're in, you selected, we'll be in touch. So what you shouldn't do is to email me again, asking for updates. Cause that really annoys me and I won't answer it. So that's you'll pretty get good. You even reply to acknowledge their, oh, their I'll acknowledge the, the initial submission for sure. Um, but the actual selection process, it depends. Like we, we do choose uh, a lot, but sometimes management want to choose. Sometimes the band themselves want to choose. Like Alex Webster, and I think every Cannibal Corpse tour has always chosen personally the uh, support bands because he's still a big fan of the underground, and um, which is awesome. You know, uh, I remember when we toured Arch Enemy. Oh, sorry, Arch Enemy. Um, <laughs> uh, and. Angela herself uh, chose a support act, which is, you know, pretty She took the time. Climbing the thorn. My first climbing the thorn gig. Yeah, there you go. And before I was in the band. But, um, you know, personally chosen, which I think is, you know, pretty cool to take the time to actually to listen. But Cradle of Filth did that recently as well. Not through you guys, did. but, yeah. That was a competition, which was, again, a, you know, a very clever, actually, promo move by yeah. that t- touring company. Um, but for us, if we choose them... Um, yeah, obviously, it's to be quality and it's going to be a bit of a buzz about the band. And we do like to mix up. We don't want to – we try to mix up as much as possible to, you know, some of the same bands all the time. But, you know, there was also, you know, I'll give some preference sometimes to, to bands on the label. Brad, when he was managing bands, obviously, you know, he's, he's the manager. So, you know, it, we would have some sway there. So that was an advantage to any band that was managed by Brad or um, on my label. But, you know, we wouldn't always do that. It was just certain acts, um, you know, could be doing – People do whinge and bitch a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, so, so even if they're not in the band, they normally bitch about, oh, this band supporting you. Yeah, so I mean, we could never win, which I don't really care about. So, you know, you've got to have thick skin. But generally, you know, 95% of people are supportive and get into it. And, you know, there's, you're always going to have your haters. So 
or whatever, keep on hating and enjoying your life. And before you joined the band Claim of Throne, by the way, when you did, fucking hell, the Claim of Throne were doing really well. And then we got you on board and just the, it seemed that everyone in the scene suddenly went, oh, great. Now Daisy's in the band. Everything fucking they're going to get every gidge. But where's the cheese? Before I even joined Claim the Throne, I remember being at gigs and just talking to you outside and, and guys would come up and you're like, oh, yeah, man. Fucking man, bands are offering me money to try and get them on shows. Oh, yeah. And then certain guys from the Perth scene going, well, Dicey, personally, I'd pay $1,000 a show to, and they, they took it the wrong way. And they th- and you're like, I'm, well, I'm sorry, I'm not for sale. We do this based on what you've outputted yeah. and your work ethic and I mean, how much you're pushing it and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a little, there are a lot of punishers out there, but that's just, it just goes with the territory. So, you know, it's, it's no biggie for me. And, you know, I, I, I would never want to charge a band to be on one of our tours, expensive enough to tour as it is. And then I would much rather have, a quality support act that we're paying, you know, ex whatever it is, you know, for the show, um, that have some really turd, shitty Craig Turley, uh, <laughs> Brett Hetty <laughs> band, <laughs> band that's okay. They might be willing to pay me a thousand dollars a show, so you know, I could easily myself and Brad could easily make an extra four or five grand. But nah, nah, I, I, I'm the the money, not interested. I just want quality bands to to complement the bill. Um, you know, and pe- people are paying 60 bucks a ticket, you know, they deserve a good lineup of bands. So that's not, I mean, you know, common, you know, bonds are common in Europe, but it's not necessary in Australia. It's already expensive enough as it is. And, you know, I don't want to take the piss and rip people off. So I was talking to a guy, a drummer and a guitarist from a local Perth band. One of them said, oh, I don't think Soundworks likes our band very much because, you know, we're getting passed by for tours and stuff like that. And then the other guy pulled him up and he said, no, no, no. I think all they want to see is us to release something and be active and be doing something. And this band hasn't released anything in a while. And you, you've got to have a band's got to be quality, have a buzz, you know, work hard. You know, if you've got a cool following, if it's a band that I see constantly, and you know, then you know we'll give them we'll give them a shot. But you know, we're not going to give it to anyone willy nilly. Mm. Doesn't work like that. Does it hurt you in the loins when you see um, hardworking local bands or not so hardworking? spend every cent of their earnings on um, th- these buy-on tours to other areas of the world uh, without really questioning the deal they're getting and that sort of thing? Um, do you think that's affecting the local scenes getting overseas and that sort of thing? Or do you have any opinion of any sort on that situation? Well, you know, you've got to get value for money. You've got to, got to weigh it up. I mean, like I said, com- buy-ons in Europe are very common, but if you're paying, say, 4,000 euro to buy-on in Europe, you know, you're getting maybe 20 shows, you're getting transport, you know, in a bus, you're getting accommodation, you're getting backline, um, you know, maybe someone doing your sound for you. So, Which, which are necessary touring yeah, costs anyway. So, I mean, if you weren't buying on, you'd have to get your own van and work it out anyway and get your own backline. It would be the same cost, if not more. So it might cost you, whatever, I don't know, 200 bucks a day, maybe more, 300, um, to be part of a tour, which is, you know, a, pre- a pretty fair deal. But you know, if you're paying four thousand euro for four shows elsewhere, it's it's a lot of money for just a few shows. But you know, I get it though. Bands are desperate to tour and they want to go overseas and they want to get their band out there and play different territories. You know, I, I want to do that too, but I don't want to. I don't want to be ripped off in the process. But um, yeah, bands do be careful. But the problem is, you know, bands who have no idea or haven't had got the experience, they don't know if they're being ripped off or not. So you know, they they they. I'm fortunate enough. I've got over 20 years worth of experience. I know 
how these things work. But if you're a new band, you've got no idea and you're like, oh, man, I want to go to, I don't know, Kenya. <laughs> you know, Belarus. Oh, and do four shows. It's going to cost me, you know, it's going to cost a thousand euro show. It's like, hey, that's way too much, way too much. But, um, you know, some people don't care. They're willing to pay it just to get that experience. And I understand that too. But you've got to be a bit wary. There's a lot of sharks out there, especially in the music industry. There's There are plenty worldwide and bands just get shafted all the time. You know, it's just maybe if you get these, uh, you know, opportunities or someone emails you the blue, you should, you know, hit people up for a bit of advice uh, and bands do hit me up and that's fine. I don't mind if you want to hit me up. That's not a problem because I'd rather say, yeah, that's a good deal or go, nah, tell them just, no, it's a bad deal because, yeah, there are plenty of them out there that are even, bad. Um, even before you joined Claim the Throne, we were going to you for all sorts of questions. You're a really awesome contact for us to check, you know, what are we doing right or what are we not doing right and, you know, you got to take that feedback on board and, and make your call but it's pretty – pretty touching that bands can go to a person like you from the local scene and get some info as to whether they're you know making a good decision or not uh so fucking props to you for that one that's all right i'm here anytime <coughs> you know what about um just don't call me at weird hours and emails are fine. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> the um the the masses of promoters that are invading our shores these days often don't provide such a valuable service as you do for free um and they yeah, you know, might not be as knowledgeable as, as people like yourselves. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely good to have someone like you in Perth. Do you have um, much of a thought on the current state of the scene in terms of oversaturation of international touring or, you know, young promoters that aren't doing the best job or just, just an idea of how the scene is going at the moment? I mean, if people are looking at becoming a promoter themselves, is that a bad move or, or Don't what, do what's it. the go? Don't do it. Don't do it, you Don't dog. Do it. Uh, well, you know, the, yeah, there's a problem at the moment, really, and there's too many people bringing bands out that don't really know what they're doing, and the scene is saturated, you know, and it, and it does, it affects, it affects uh, you know, Soundworks and other touring, you know, bigger touring companies. It's, I think, you know, can't stop people from doing it, but you know, it is it is annoying, and, you know, some of these people don't do a good job, but it, it you know, it, bands can leave unhappy and go back and go, oh, you know, screw Australia, you know, these guys ripped us off or, you know, the tour got cancelled or the conditions were shit. So you can have a, a bit of a, an effect and on us. I mean, we've got a, a good reputation worldwide, so it realistically probably doesn't have too much of an effect, but I don't want people, bands going back home to Europe or US or wherever going, oh, yeah, Australia sucked, you know. But so people who are doing all well, these other promoters, it's not their full-time job. It's not their number one thing. It's it's a side thing. It's a hobby. And I get that too, you know. You want to tour bands and have fun. I get that. But it's not really a game, you know. There's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. There's so many logistics and so many things you've got to do and so many rules and laws you've got to abide by too, technically, which you, you, know, you should and a lot of people don't, which you're running a bit of a risk of, getting caught out and getting into a little bit of trouble. Visas, etc. Yeah, things like that and tax and other little things that are annoying, but you've got to do. It's just part of this. But there is definitely too many out there. And before I was even doing Soundworks, you know, there'd be even nationally, they'd be lucky if there was three tours a year and Perth might get one. But now, you know, there's there's three or four tours every month. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, the numbers are affected and people don't have so much money and, you know, and you can't, you can't stop competition. I can't stop it. It's like any other business, you know. There's a million electricians out there, a million plumbers, and whatever. It's all competition. But you know, uh, I like to think that we're one of the most professional ones going out there and doing a good job. Well, people keep coming back touring through us, so 
Yeah, um, I guess people realise too. With us, it's a it's a full time job. This is how we make our living. So it's not just a hobby. Or I think you know the electrical and plumbing industries are probably different to the metal community. Well, it's not really a <coughs> yeah like a a scene as such. Um, and and the last thing we want is I suppose you don't have hobby <laughs> electricians who are hobby do well, as a hobby. Maybe do, you? do people <laughs> want to suck off powerpoints things sometimes. But like you say, I mean, if there used to be you know one or two tours coming to Perth per year, I guess the turnouts would just be out of control because everyone's so happy about it. But well, when yeah. you have three a week, people have got to pick one. Yep. And they're yep. all going to suffer because of it, which is a bit Pre- of a bummer. But pretty much. At the same time, I mean, you know, the, you know, more metal tours coming here. Can't complain about it as good. No, no. You know, I'm, I'm not going to complain, you know, too much like I say I am. But, <laughs> but you know. you got to find the fine medium. And when, yeah. when people are just jumping on board without really knowing much about the local metal scene or whatever, that's when it gets a bit bummed out. And when we, we started in 2005 and did Heidi Turner was our first tour, there was no one doing extreme metal when we started. And, um, you know, it. it went pretty well and god now there's probably about 10 promoters nationally that are doing you know the same thing and bring out a lot of bands that probably shouldn't be coming out because they're that popular and then you know people wondering why they're losing money and what it is risky business it's a very risky business you know it's 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 you know there's no guarantee that we ever make money with our tours it's but we pick bands that we think are going to work and a lot of the these bands that these other promoters bring out are bands that you know we've we've knocked back because it's we're just like well I don't think they're going to get numbers to to through the door to cover costs so and you know God forbid that people don't come yeah that's right exactly it's a risky business uh, it's and it's it's not easy it is fun but it's is a lot more to it than most people actually think you know it's you've you've got to do a good job and keep these bands happy and. Unfortunately, some of these promoters aren't doing a good job and bands are leaving unhappy or not even making it in the first place. A lot of tours getting cancelled because of uh, slightly maybe less professional people. Climbing the Thorn, album of the week. What music out of your 4,000 CDs have you been listening to this week and why? Oh, this week, um, what have I been listening to? I've been listening to a lot of My Dying Bride, actually, which is one of my favourite bands. A couple of... uh, their new albums, which are, are mind-blowingly amazing, um, which they generally are. Oh, I've probably been listening to some really stupid grind and slam. Um, are you still a big proponent of Doom? Like you mentioned I, My Dying Bride, of course, but I mean, has your love of chocolate and slam overtaken your Doom <laughs> fetish? Oh, not at all. I still listen to a lot of Doom. You know, I mix it up a bit because I like, like most genres of metal. So, um, yeah, definitely... Always uh, mixed up. Uh, also, I've been listening to Alchemist this week. What album? Oh, I don't I can't remember the name. Of it. It's 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 the double release that had a, it was like a, a best of Ooh. release. Oh yeah, right. Which is uh, really cool. Peanut butter and slam. Peanut butter and slam. Peanut butter and sweaty slam. Ham and slam and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> uh, but yeah, love slam. Love silly stuff. Love grind. Um, been listening listening to Clit Eater this week. Uh, Clit them all. <laughs> really good album. <laughs> Um, what's another album I've been listening hot to? Hot Buttered Anal? Oh, not Hot Buttered Anal, but I did listen to Anal Grind. Um, Pornholic, really good release. Uh, Resume, who were just here because I just love the guys and I love the How'd album. How'd you get hooked up with Resume? Uh, just, well, go to Bali pretty much every weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, one of those trips, I met a guy called Didi Sahita, who was their manager, uh, just through just through that and just yeah, hanging out, going to a couple of local shows up there and yeah, mostly through Didi, met those guys and great guys and we all hit off and I love what they're doing with their music and 
sign them up and release the album and do a split with them too, actually, with many projects. And, uh, plus, it's like just, you know, they, they look after me out there and I love just helping the guys out. They're really good people. Really, really good people. Funny little buggers too, they are. Love puppies. Love puppies, love kangaroos. Love megaring. Megaring. They'll definitely love, love megaring. Spraying their asses with water in and the they, toilet. They do love using <laughs> those, those hoses in the toilet. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Is that why you had an ass hose installed in your toilet? No, that just happened to be there when I bought the place. Oh, okay. Which is quite odd, but... I love the other week when they were here. They had this running joke where they kept saying where they'd um, lost their babies. And they'd, when they were staying at Dicey's house, <laughs> they'd go to his toilet and they'd leave a few of their little babies behind. Oh, or they'd no. use his shower and... I pissed in that toilet. Birth, if you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, See, dear. funny little buggers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez. Anyway, any other albums of the week? What's your album of the week? Rage Against the Machine, Renegades. <laughs> Get out. Wow. Yeah, pretty random. I used to hate that album, but I, I did love Rage Against the Machine, the first Renegades, two. Renegades, why? I went to a dinner party the other night. Mm-hmm. Dinner party, why? And um, <laughs> they had Renegades on the background. I was like, this is pretty cool, actually. And wow. so I have given it the time of day this week and enjoy it. I have a new porn star of the week, actually. Oh, who is it? Cindy Starfall. Ooh, what's so good about Nasty her? Nasty little princess. Where's she from? She's from uh, Vietnam, I think. Whoa. So, yeah, quite remarkable in, oh. her, in her feats. There's a restaurant just around the corner called Viet Hoa. Do you think she works there? I hope oh. so. I hope so. If she is, I'm going there tonight to uh, uh, order some nasty goring. <laughs> <laughs> you are Uncle Nasty Fingers. Yes, or some uh, Singapore noodles or something. You got me onto that one on Instagram who has the massivest personalities you've ever seen. What is her name? Um... You know who I'm talking about. She's just she's a good sport. My album of the week is actually a book. Is that all right? Book of the week. This is not a library, Ash. Yeah, no, gun. Gun. You see that book down there shaped like a vinyl that's book, fucking book, heavy? Book, 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 yep. It's called Recording the Beatles. Yeah, right. Interesting. Probably the best book I've read. Wow. And I've read Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises. <laughs> it is fucking awesome, who man. Who's Who fucking Some knows, company. man? Two dudes who just researched everything about the Beatles did a little research and it is comprehensive, man, and yeah, right. fucking interesting. Pretty, pretty good reading for anyone who gives a shit about that shit. I can add one more album for this week that I've been listening to. A uh, bit of a classic, Horacle by In Flames. Oh, that's that's been on the podge before. Yeah, yeah it has. Definitely has listen to that album. New Claim Throne song sounds like it's from Horacle, I would say. The, I would definitely recommend that to anyone into melodic death metal. It's an absolute fucking belter. The new Claim of Throne album is going to sound like Horacle crossed with the album Doom with three O's by Worship. <laughs> oh, hopefully. So imagine Old In Flames with Doom mixed in and probably a few brutal slam riffs for mm. fun. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Can we cross that with some volvectomy or something? Jesus Christ. I saw them fattest red rocket last really? night. On a dog? On, yeah, on this dog. It was like a... Was it Floyd? It was like a Staffy crossed English Terrier and his mm. face looked like a... Smashed crab. Oh, oh for real. Yeah, I know. I'm really sorry. Sorry, Pussy19. It's Pussy19. Are you on the market at the moment? Most definitely. If there's any women out there who think that you sound like a bit of a stud, how do they get in touch with you? Are you on Tinder or anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I'm on everything at the moment. Yeah. Tinder, plenty of fish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some quite to catch. Not a harmony. Because yeah, right. it's pretty pretty stupid. Probably adult friend finder. I'm pretty sure I'm on this. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, you were telling us about um, Godzilla porn with the Japanese. Is that yes, a thing? That is, that is a thing. That, wow. That, yeah, it's... Wow. You know, guy dressed up as Godzilla. Mm, cool. Pretty funny. 
Um, can I ask you a few questions that are <laughs> left left of field? When MySpace happened, wow. with all the bands being fucking into MySpace, what were you thinking about that? I was thinking pretty much, wow, it was uh, quite a phenomena. Like it took a while for before bands sort of grasped it or whatever, because it was mostly a people to people thing. But then bands latched onto it and went pretty crazy. And obviously, MySpace is is gone, but yeah, dead. But, you know, bands like Job for a Cowboy and Whitechapel and, and they're just right place, right time. If it wasn't for MySpace, the bands probably would still be playing local shows wherever they're from. Was that the first kind of thing that happened to bands like uh, that? The first really big sort of exposing music to a huge audience way. I mean, before that, bands had proper websites and you could, you know, they would put one song up to download to listen to as a little taste of their album or whatever. But MySpace, I think you could load up to six songs or something and... Yeah, it got to that point where your your band.com was a landing page to to transfer people yeah. and still now even to your Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, straight like that. And a lot of bands got rid of their uh, websites because MySpace was free, like Facebook and so, you know. Yeah. Even many many large acts don't have proper websites anymore. They just have Facebook, which is I get it's free and it's access people but i still think it's important that a band should have a website we have a website so my label has a website that costs a little bit of money but i think it's just you know you can it's just i don't when i you're looking at bands i, I usually it is a facebook link but if they got a website i go to the about click on that and if there's a website i'll go on the website because website you can have more information i think and far more exciting things yeah it looks so generic and stuff the facebook page and that that's what i was going to ask you is that when MySpace went down the shithole of life and Facebook took over for bands, the, you know, there wasn't a player there. You didn't have customised your album artwork in the background. Now they've got cover photos and stuff. But is there anything these days that you think is worthwhile, like your band camps or your reverb nations, these sort of things? Oh, I think they're all, they've all got their place and it's just... Uh, no, no, Do you look at any of these things? Me personally, rarely, but see, I'm sort of an old school... Uh, Old fart. Snail now. Mate. Snail mail. But, you know, bands send me – I get emails almost every day with bands going, oh, can you check us out? And they always send links. And I'm like, my laptop speakers suck. Fucking big knob. So mm. I always say, look, can you send me a physical copy? Because I'd rather blast it out my car stereo while I'm driving around or to the home and go, yeah. And I still like to look at the artwork and I still like to have something in my hand other than myself. So, yeah, I, not many people probably do that anymore, but I just don't don't – like just looking at something on the net, I like to have the physical product. And even if it's just a burnt CD, okay, it just sounds better in my car stereo or than my shitty speakers and my laptops. So. But, yeah, all those things, Bandcamp, Reverb Nation, all that stuff, it's still a good way for people to access your music and spread the word. So they're definitely it's not a bad thing. And I think bands should just jump on everything they can that's out there, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, shitter, fucking blurter, whatever's out there now. And there's Squirter, a million things Tinder. you can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, all that kind of stuff, whatever. Whatever's out there you, and it, it's going to help get your music out there, just jump on board. Um, I guess the only downfall is it takes up a lot of time. When, when there used to be just MySpace or just your website, you only have one thing to look after. Mm. Now you've got about a dozen things to look after. Unless you're Cabba and has them all linked in together. You can do that, but you've got to be a pretty smart cookie to do that, like Cabba. Do we have a tip of the week? I don't think I do. Do you, Dicey? Well, a tip for what? Anything that will help bands, we normally have a few something at the end where oh, we'll say, do it this. It could be Dice's chick tip. Chick tip? Uh, chick tip, start low. Oh. Start low. <laughs> that was your down. first tip, pretty much, eh? Oh, oh maybe I just worded it different. I'll just, just, yeah. If you have way. standards, 
get rid of them. You got, oh, yeah, standards are pointless. Uh, <laughs> Although I did actually realise the other night I did have a standard, um, but don't. We won't mention his name. Oh. <laughs> Uh, that's staying in there. <laughs> uh, band tips. Work hard. Work hard. You know, don't rely on Facebook. Get out there. Get in people's faces. Uh, don't be punishers. You know, there's a bit of a kind of fine line. But, yeah, just work hard. You know, things don't happen. And very rare it's going to be given to you on a silver plate. So just push your music as far and wide as possible using all the tools you got. And just and also just craft good songs unless you're Chainsaw Charlie or... Mm-hmm. Hated by humanity, where it's meant to be crap, but I like a lot of crap. It's never going to get you anywhere, but it's fun. Home of Throne Lightning Round, we, where we throw questions at Dicey. Ooh. Like what? Like this favorite episode of Ren and Stippy. Oh, whichever one it was where he got, um, I can't, who was it? Either one of them got picked up by a spatula after he got run over. That was pretty funny. Favorite food from Man versus Food. Oh, Jesus, Man versus Food. Probably the pizza that was about as big as the moon. Mm. That was uh, that was quite exceptional. Favorite drink. Favorite drink, apart from horse. Uh, oh my god, Bundaberg rum. And you were going to say that? I was actually going to say favorite rum. Bundaberg rum. The best gig you've ever seen. Oh, the best gig. Well, the best set I've ever seen. I've ever seen was at the gates at Wacken in two thousand eight when they reformed because I had a stiffy so hard a cat couldn't scratch it, <laughs> and I think it was banging to you for most of the. Yeah, the I was set. there as well, and that's also the answer that I would have. That, as far as a festival goes, um, yeah, all-time favourite. There you go. Favourite band at the moment. Favourite band at the moment. That's really hard. Um, I can't say. If you could tour a band at the moment, what would it be? Probably Cephalotripsy. <laughs> Seriously? With Resume supporting. <laughs> Absolutely. And Chainsaw Charlie opening. I just can't get enough of the slam, man. The next Aussie band that you think will really take off, not including King Parrot. Chainsaw Charlie and the Chocolate Cha Cha Factory. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Jis and Tomb are doing pretty good at the moment. I know we know the guys and, and whatnot, but you know they're they're a, a great example of a band that works very hard. And uh, with a new album coming out, I think hopefully they'll um, see some see some success. I mean, there's quite a few good bands, well, a lot of good bands out there in Australia at the moment, but they're definitely one of the hardest working ones. So favorite Perth band? Ooh, I've, well, I've always liked Maximum Perversion. Love them. Um, they do a hell of a lot nowadays. Oh, God, it's just I'm, I'm drawing mental blanks. Maximum version have always been the number one, but nowadays suffer in rot. Suffer and rot are, are very good. I enjoy them a lot. Oh, there's so many bands. I just I can't. I just got a, a, a tsunami of bands in my face right now. Favorite razor ray moment. <laughs> Favorite razor ray moment was it Party Sand 2008? I think where. He was camping next to these disgusting Germans who had a blow-up little pool and they were literally pissing and defecating in it. Um, and Razor Ray had enough, so he just he just set on fire. This is a true story? It's a true story, yeah. Wow. He set their shit-piss-laden pool on fire. Jesus. All right. That's uh, a pretty good Razor Ray moment. Favourite Oliver oh, Udall moment? You mean Razor Ray? Sorry, Razor Ray, you mean in Sydney or Perth? Sydney. Brother oh, of Stu. This is a Razor Ray in Perth and I. Razor Ray Sydney. Although I don't think Razor Ray... God, I his I name was, is actually Ray. I think it's something else, but I know him as Razor. A Razor Ray, I just like his vest and he wears nothing underneath it, but just a vest and his hairy chest. Mm. Favourite Oliver Udall moment? My favourite Oliver Udall moment was at a recent fest, Storm Rider, where I had a merch stand and he came over and 
very well spoken and politely said, excuse me, uh, Dice, would you mind holding my glasses while I have a bit of a mosh? A and I said, cunt. yes, not a problem. You're a good guy. I'll help you out. So I thought, oh, I'm going to put his glasses on. Oh, my God, that guy is blinder than a bat. <laughs> How did that guy actually found his way back to the merch stand to get his glasses back? I'll never know. Do you have a message to Amos Poglase? Yes. Uh, what happened to that blonde girl you brought to the gig at the Rosemount probably a year or so ago, I think for our video launch? Whatever happened to her? Because I quite like looking at her while I was playing. Amos, if you can uh, answer that question via the speak pipe to the right of net and leave a message, we'll play that uh, next week. Thanks. Um, all right. How about a bit of a spam of whatever's coming up in the world of Dicey, whether it's Soundworks, Prime Cuts, Claim the Throne, uh, Chains or Charlie related? What, what's on the horizons? Uh, well, Prime, uh, not Prime Cuts, Soundworks Touring, most importantly, Cannibal Corpse, the biggest death metal band of all time and uh, full of legends. Corpse crew on Alex Webster, Paul, Rob Barrett, Pat O'Brien, uh, Ashley Large, Drum Tech. Um, coming up September 9th to the 13th, tickets on sale now at usual outlets and our website. And if you order through our website, it will be cheaper and you will get a free sticker. Well, two stickers. SoundworksTouring.com. SoundworksTouring.com. That's the most important thing. Um, not too sure if we have anything else for the rest of the year, but... What is your favourite property in Monopoly? What are the cheap-ass ones at the front? Whitechapel and... Whitechapel and a job for a cowboy. Yeah, probably get out of free jail cards is a good one too. What about Metal Monopoly? We should make that. But no, fuck, thanks, Darcy, for doing this. We get to do it all the time. Lucky us. Um, yeah, lucky you. Fuck, some of your information is invaluable. I'm sure everyone listening will be way better. Um, and that is fucking all. If people want to punish you with questions, what's the best way to do it? Best email is the Prime Cuts one. It's very short and simple. P-C-U-T-S at bigpond.com. P-Cuts at bigpond.com. And I will answer any question. It doesn't have to be about metal. It can be a, a sexual problem. Mm. It can <laughs> be a, a health problem. Maybe you've got an un, a unusual growth somewhere. <laughs> which I've more than likely had, yeah. so I can probably give some good advice there. Um, a girlfriend problem or, uh, you know, a girl problem, man problem. Mm. Males. I mean, I like males as much as I like females. We're all people and humans, so uh, pets. Gypsy. Gypsy. Uh, um, and what about snail mail? Can people send you letters? They can send me a letter if they like. <laughs> yes. Go on the Prime Cups website, Prime Cups. Uh, Prime Cuts website, there my uh, mailing address there. If you want to send, actually, I, anyone who sends me a snail mail to that address, I will reply back with snail mail and I will give you free stickers. Whoa. Of like good bands, Cannibal Corpse, Morbid Angel, probably Prime Cuts. Bring back the letters. I'll, 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 I'll even whack in a fridge magnet. If someone goes the effort of sending me a snail mail, I will reply. You, you have to write it handwritten, by the way. Okay. And I will reply back, handwritten. I'm prepared to do that. Will you semen in the envelope? <laughs> uh, what song would we like to hear from Dyson's back catalogue? Oh, you asking me? Yeah, oh, man, mm-hmm. anything you want. When we had Brad on, we, we did play a choke song. So if it can be someone else, that'd be fucking good. All the bands I've been in, I would like to say, Hated by Humanity, No Need for Crying. Special music for special people. Well, let's fucking hear it. Hated by Humanity, Dyson used to be good at softball. Thanks, heaps. Thanks, <laughs> heaps.